We're going to read some verses from the Bible now. I'm going to have a sip of water. And we've got a few readings tonight, so uh, it's good to read together. The first reading is from Luke chapter 4 and verses 1 to 13. And I'll read it actually off the screen because I think my Bible's slightly different. So, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting He left him until an opportune time. And then from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. This is the Apostle Paul writing to uh, believers in Ephesus. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then two quite brief readings, Uh, 1 John 3, verse 8. So I hear the flutter of pages. Just one verse, 1 John 3, verse 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. 
Okay, and our final reading is from 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Thanks, Lorna. Shall we pray? We thank you for these words of Scripture, Lord, and we thank you that they are truth. And we thank you that as we come to know you, Lord Jesus, we also come to trust your word. And we pray that it will be close to our hearts, that it will be imprinted in our minds, that we will use your word as you would like us to. And so we pray tonight as we look um, at these verses and with in mind the theme of prayer, Lord, speak to us, we pray, and encourage us and challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hopefully, from those readings, you'll have picked up a theme uh, for tonight. I asked you the question earlier, and I'll ask you again. Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? We have a picture of a thermometer and a thermostat. Is that still available? There we go. Are you a thermostat or a thermometer? Don't know if you've ever asked yourself that. There you go. But you can choose to be one or the other. A thermometer only indicates what the temperature is. A thermostat changes the temperature. And in our broken, lost world, it can be easier for us to be thermostats because we can be overwhelmed with all the things that go on around us in this world. Whether it be persecution of our fellow believers in Christ, whether it be the evil that we see in our news, news of death cults around the world, wars that seem to be endless, crime, corruption, even abuse. Or we can see the decline in the moral and spiritual values everywhere and we can say, well, that's bad. Or we can see hope too. We can see the hope that Jesus brings to the hopeless. We can see the amazing things that God is doing in the most difficult of places. Places like North Korea and China and Iran and Iraq and Syria. And we can see what God is doing and we could say, that's good. But if all we do is say, that's bad or that's good, we're just being thermometers. But God calls us to be spiritual thermostats. Do bear with me. When I came across the illustration, I really liked it. But um, it's that powerful thing on the wall. It's only a little thing. It's tucked behind here. I am in control of that. So when everything comes in and it's really hot, that's my fault because I turn it up. And there's that wonderful moment. You turn a thermostat up and you hear it click. And you know it's going to get warmer. It's great. Unless the boiler breaks down, obviously. But uh, we won't go there. That will change the analogy completely. 
We know when we turn it up that something will change, the temperature will change. And I believe that that's what we must become as followers of Christ. Temperature changes. World changes. As we beseech the God of heaven and earth, as we engage with the Lord's enemies. How? Obviously by declaring Jesus is Lord. The moment we declare Jesus is Lord of our lives, we become part of his army part of his kingdom bringers in this world. And when we declare ourselves for Jesus, we are declaring ourselves against the one who had held us captive. Because before we were saved, before we were forgiven, before we had Jesus as Lord of our lives, we were captive of Satan, whether we knew it or not. And he would prefer it that we didn't know it, that we would be oblivious to that. But the moment we declare Jesus as Lord, He declares us, Satan, the devil, which are the same words in the Bible, Hebrew and Greek, for the enemy of God. He declares us his enemy too because we are on the side of Jesus. And the Bible describes that battle that we enter as spiritual warfare. And as we engage with that, filled with the Holy Spirit, we can actually accomplish things for God in that area. Through prayer and spiritual disciplines, we are given, as we become Christians, spiritual weapons to demolish strongholds. That was one of the verses that we read. We are given the authority in the name of Jesus to take on principalities and powers because we have the resources of heaven at our disposal. We don't always think that way, do we? Often we think how small we are, how little impact we will make in this world. But that is a lie from the enemy. Because the enemy understands and knows how powerful it is when a Christian begins to pray. When a Christian begins to take on that authority in the name of Jesus to engage in the spiritual battle. I'm a great fan of the Lord of the Rings and... uh, If any time you have nine hours or 12, if you watch the extended versions uh, to spare, do watch the films. They are fantastic. Or read the book. I did read the book. It was was the only book that I read as as a young man underneath the covers with a torch. The only book. And it's pretty big as well. But... The story, if I won't spoil the story for you if you haven't heard it, but there's these hobbits in the Shire. And the Shire's a peaceful, wonderful place and nothing seems to disturb them, but they're called into warfare, these little hobbits. And, uh, and here we are in the Cotswolds and sometimes, you know, um, people who've never been to the Cotswolds think it's a bit like, you know, Frodo land and, and hobbit land. But we're called to engage in spiritual warfare because war is upon us. And even as we see in our our physical world, certainly the things that are happening at the moment in terms of Syria and Iraq and, and the devastating things that are happening in our world, we can still see that they're far away and we're here. How can we have an impact? But we can 
because we're called to engage in prayer and spiritual disciplines to make a difference in the heavenly realms. Jesus came to destroy all the works of the evil one. And he is doing that. And on the cross, he accomplished the greatest work of all, the forgiveness of sins for this world, redemption for a whole world, for everyone who would turn to him in faith. So how are you and I going to engage in this spiritual warfare? Well, the first lesson comes from the first reading that we had, is that we can use Scripture. Scripture is given to us as a weapon The word of God. We saw this weapon used by Jesus against the devil himself. In that account of the temptations of, uh, of Jesus by the devil in the wilderness. After he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus used the word of God. And Satan, he says, if you are the son of God. Well, he knew who Jesus was. Satan knows who Jesus is because Jesus created him. Satan is a created being, angelic being. Was round the throne of heaven, worshipping Jesus at one point, but turned against Jesus and was thrown out of heaven. He knows exactly who he is, and all his demons, the other angels that fell too, know who Jesus is. They know who he is. But he comes and tempts Jesus in that moment of human weakness, 40 days and 40 nights without food. And he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Now Jesus could have just gone, stones into bread, no problem. But he doesn't. Jesus has nothing to prove to Satan at all. Satan thinks in a way that he can get the better of Jesus in this moment because he knows who Jesus is, but Jesus has humbled himself and become a human being. And Satan has never had a problem with human beings. He knows their weaknesses. He knows their frailties. And Jesus responds as a human being. Jesus has come God in the flesh, but he comes as a human being and he lives his life out, full of the Holy Spirit, but as a human being, fully human, and he responds. He says, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. Jesus will not be tempted by the devil. It's said of Jesus in the Bible that he was tempted in every way, but was without sin. So Satan tries another um, different way. He tries to bribe Jesus almost. He says, uh, all the kingdoms of the world will be yours if you worship me. Did you notice that Satan actually says, they've been given to me. All the kingdoms of the world has been given to me. He, He is described as the prince of this world. He has principality, but he is no match for Jesus, who is God himself in the flesh. And what audacity to offer Jesus all authority over the kingdoms of the world when, when Jesus has all, all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority in heaven and on earth. 
But what does Jesus say? He says, it is written, worship God alone and serve him only. Then Satan actually starts quoting scripture. You find that interesting? That he actually quotes the Bible at Jesus. And he takes him to the top of the temple in Jerusalem. And he says, well, throw yourself off because the Bible says that the angels will protect you and no harm will come to you. And Jesus says, well, I know that scripture, but it also says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And Satan has nothing more to say to Jesus and he gets out. God gives us what we need. In the past weeks, I had the privilege of being in Lebanon and I was hearing one of the Syrian pastors talk and share of his story and he was saying to us that God gives us what we need. Because we were asking him, how did you cope in that situation? How could you cope with those terrorists just around the corner? How could you cope? And he said, God gives what we need. So where we have no doctors or anything, our first resource is to ask Jesus to heal us. Where there's no food, we ask Jesus to provide food. He's our first resource. And standing on the promises of God is one way that we can engage in that spiritual battle. Has the devil ever said to you, God has forsaken you? God has abandoned you? It can't be true. Because the Bible says that Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And you have to sort of just weigh up, who's the liar here? If Satan says, God has abandoned you, and Jesus says, I will never abandon you, who's the liar? The Bible describes Satan and Jesus' own words as the father of lies. That's what he peddles in, he peddles in lies. Has the devil ever said to you, God can't love you? can't be true. Because the Bible says, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we are called children of God. The Bible says that God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. The Bible says, this is how God showed his love among us, that he died for our sins. Who's the liar? If someone says, God can't love you, it's not true. Because we can stand on the word of God. One of the other weapons we have is prayer. And when we learn to pray, as we teach people on the Alpha course, we begin by saying that prayer is relational. Prayer is the way that we can have a relationship with God. And it's our communicating with God. And that's true. But as we learn to pray in that way, we can then begin to learn to intercede for others, to start praying for others. So on our after Alpha course, we encourage people to learn to begin to pray for one another, to hear God for one another. Because it's such a powerful thing to pray for other people. 
to stand in the gap. And we can bless other people. And we can bless what God is doing. We can bless our communities in the name of Jesus. We can bless our neighbors, our friends. And we can also stand against the principalities and powers in this world. I call this the sort of for and against prayers. And I believe that they're highly effective in spiritual warfare. Because we can pray for Satan's downfall. Knowing that it's the will of God. We can pray against the death cults of ISIS, Boko Haram, Al-Shabaab and many more. And the demonic forces that are behind them. Because we see that they are manipulated by the devil so clearly. And whether it be evil regimes, systems that are upheld by demonic forces, we can intercede, we can pray for deliverance, for salvation. We can do that very simply. We don't have to learn a technical language. All we can say is we bless what God blesses and we stand against those things that oppose God. We stand against those things in the name of Jesus. We bind the work of the enemy in Jesus' name. And Paul says in Ephesians, he encourages the believers in Ephesus to take that responsibility seriously, to take a stand against the devil's schemes. And he encourages that our, our enemy is not flesh and blood, it's not people, although they can be used by Satan. We're praying against the principalities and powers. Now Satan will come against his people, no doubt, in various ways. But he has no power over us, only what we surrender. And even when we do fall or fail or surrender sometimes, we can come back to the cross. That's the grace of God. We can come back and back to that ultimate source of victory, ultimate source of forgiveness and grace. To remember that we are in Christ. And Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. There's a wonderful story in the Old Testament of 2 Kings 6. It was quoted by one of the pastors that I met. And he said he reminds his people often about this because they seem besieged by their enemies. And he often says, he, he relates the story of Elisha in 2 Kings 6 where he is surrounded by his enemies and his helper is getting really panicked and his helper says, you know, what are we going to do Master, and he, and he prays. Elisha prays, he says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And as he opens his eyes, he sees the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha, the armies of the Lord encamped. So we have scripture, we have prayer, our relationship with God, another weapon is our consecration, our surrendering to God. It's one of the things that the devil just cannot handle when someone surrenders their life to Jesus and continues to surrender their life to Jesus. Paul says that uh, he considers everything that he once had rubbish that he may gain Christ. Again, a lady from Syria who had lost everything, lost her home, had to flee with with absolutely nothing, said because she had found Jesus. She considers everything else that she once had rubbish. 
And how about this, to be able to thank God for what had happened to her because she found Jesus. That surrender. And our testimony is also powerful whenever we speak out, whenever we make a stand for God, for his love, for his grace, when we declare what Jesus has done for us. There is something powerful when we speak it out. Do you know, do you, you know that feeling when you've had a chance to witness to Jesus and you actually get it out? You know, sometimes I feel so bad when I don't get it out or I, I don't get out what I want to get out or it wasn't just in the right moment. But there's something when we speak out for Jesus and it just feels great. It does, because we're witnessing to Jesus in whatever circumstance. I read recently the story of Jeffrey Bull. Uh, you may not have heard of him. He was the, one of the last missionaries in Tibet. He was captured, imprisoned, and tortured to the point that he couldn't think clearly anymore. I mean, his body was just shattered, but his mind was shattered too. And he came to a point where he just said to God, Lord, if I can just stand up once a day in the center of my cell, would you accept that as worship? And from that day on to the day of his release, once a day he would drag himself to his feet to the middle of his cell and stand. He couldn't speak anymore. He was just broken, but he would just stand to declare that Jesus is Lord. That's consecration. That's surrender to Jesus. That's a life given to him. So as Paul says in the reading that we had in Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but we should dress for battle, put on the armor of God that, so that we can stand. I mean, just as we would, if we wake up tomorrow and it's pouring with rain, we'll dress appropriately. We'll grab the brolly on the way out. We'll, we'll put the hat on or the coat that's waterproof or whatever. And so we're called to dress for battle we read it in the NIV. I just want to read um, uh, the message versions. Translation, Eugene Peterson. From Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says, And that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong too. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up against everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon picnic that we'll just walk away from and forget in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death struggle to the finish against the devil and all his angels. So be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray long, pray hard. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open, keep prepared. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out.
Are you a thermostat? Or are you a thermometer? Which one would you rather be? God's word assures us that we can make a difference in this world as we stand for Jesus, as we make clear our witness for him. We take on the word of God and prayer and consecration and surrender and we fix our eyes on Jesus. We can engage in his struggle, which has become our struggle. So let's determine this week to turn up the temperature in our lives, for those around us, for the circumstances in the world. And if we're tempted just to say that's bad or that's good, turn it for prayer. That's bad, God, but I want this, and in your name I'll stand for this. That's good, and I will bless it, Lord. We don't want to be just thermometers. Let's pray together. And we're going to have a moment, a time of prayer before the band come back and lead us in our final songs of worship. But let's spend a few moments in prayer together. If you have a people or a person,